The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Philosophy for Our Times, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Art and Ideas. Before we get started, a reminder that Philosophy Fest is coming up, a week of bonus content celebrating our 100th episode of Philosophy for Our Times. You can vote for your favourite episode of the series, which will be re-released with bonus content, by emailing podcast at artsandideas.org. And if you enjoy Philosophy for Our Times, you can donate to support our work at iai.tv. Now on to this week's episode. Most of us have been there. You're standing in the corner of an art gallery at a contemporary exhibition that you thought you should probably want to want to go to, and there's a giant canvas hanging in front of you, blank except for a single row of red squares. In the corner, there's the body of a toy doll with fireworks for a head, and behind you someone's dad is muttering, I could have done that. Many of us intuitively believe that art, philosophy and culture, from the evolution of cinema to the rise of performance poetry, is constantly progressing towards something better. But is this a myth? In art and philosophy, is the best yet to come, or as Eliot said, is there only the fight to recover what has been lost, and found, and lost again? In this week's panel, critic and author of Con Art, Julian Spaulding, you cannot say that Picasso is better than Van Gogh, and Van Gogh is better than Rembrandt. They're just different. But you can say that they're all better than Hearst, who is not an artist at all. T.S. Eliot, prize-winning poet and musician, Don Patterson. It's okay to get all excited about the death of X, Y, or Z so that we could spur ourselves on to some creativity, but that is a lie that we're selling ourselves. And author of The Utopia Experiment, Dylan Evans. It's, it's about an anxiety about creativity that maybe the sort of imagination and talent for creating novelty has somehow, we've somehow run out of it. Yana Teller hosts. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to discuss progress in art. Is the best to come or has everything already been done? To start off, um, we give everybody three minutes to state their positions on the subject matter. I'm asking to try to keep it to the time and be to the point. So we'll start with Dylan. I think the, the, the idea that we've told all the stories we can tell, we've done all the interesting things in music, we've done all the interesting things in drama, resurfaces periodically throughout history. And it's, it's, it's about an anxiety about creativity. It's about the, re the return of a worry that maybe the sort of imagination and talent for creating novelty that has characterized human history up to the present has somehow, we've somehow run out of it. But all of those times, this idea has turned out to be false. And we've been confronted by some completely surprising new kind of creativity in a new sphere that we just hadn't foreseen. So I don't think the latest worries about the end of creativity are anything to really be concerned about either. I mean, it's 
always going to seem that we're running out of creativity because, by definition, we only tend to preserve the best and most wonderful things from the past. So when we look back a hundred years ago, the only writers and musicians and poets that we remember are the great ones, obviously. And then we say, well, who, how many of those are around today? I mean, and we look at all the people around us today and we can only see one or two, and then lots of other people who are sort of mediocre. And we say, well, you know, it's, we're, we're sort of drowning in mediocrity today. But in a hundred years' time, they'll look back. They won't remember the hundred mediocre ones, and they'll just remember the one or two good ones. So, it's, of course, it's unusual to find incredibly talented, novel, creative people. There's only a few each generation. And that's because progress and creativity and novelty is always difficult. It's also what makes it fun and surprising and exciting when we do discover it. Now, I can't speak in general about art, but I know a little bit about philosophy. And just to give you one example, in ethics, for most of the 20th century, it was assumed that we had more or less exhausted the space of debate about ethics, and it was just uh, you know, a matter of repeating the sort of debate between the Kantians and the utilitarians. And then in 1970, I think it was, John Rawls writes a new book called Just a, a Theory of Justice, which comes out of the blue and creates this, in, this completely novel third position that sort of destabilizes that whole opposition. And then a few years later, Amartya Sen writes another book which preserves a fourth position. And now it's really exciting. There's some really advanced theories developing in the theory of justice. Or to take another area, economics. People thought they had economics sewn up until the, the financial crisis blew everything out of the water. You know, I, I'll wrap up there, but let's just give you some examples of the way that creativity continues to surprise us. And I don't think we've got too much to worry about. I'll answer th the three questions. Is, is progress in art an illusion? Progress in art is not only an illusion, it's a deception. It has led us into the cul-de-sac we're in today. The idea that Van Gogh is better than Rembrandt and Picasso is better than Van Gogh and Damien Hirst is better than the whole lot uh, is patently absurd. You cannot say that Picasso is better than Van Gogh and Van Gogh is better than Rembrandt. They're just different, but you can say that they're all better than Hearst, who is not an artist at all. <laughs> has, has, has everything already been done? No, for the very simple reason, art can't be redone. Nothing can be redone. Not only each generation, but each individual person has to rediscover what is art for themselves. Does art need direction? And if so, where is it heading? This is the third question. Uh, does art need direction? If so, where is it heading? Direction and heading aren't the same things. Art can't be externally directed because individuals have to be free to express the truth of their experience. Where is art heading? Only artists can show us. I'm talking about real art, that is, of course, not con art, I mean, her slot. The expression, uh, art is the expression of profound feelings. Art, that art is something that aims to be as popular and as profound as it possibly can. All art now has to take on board the mess that we are making of the world, and this is a new problem for all of us.
Don Patterson. I think we declare the death of creativity to get excited about it again, but there's no, there, there's no way it's close to death or anything like it. Um, I do have issues with the, the whole business of progress in relation to art. I think every work of good art is, in a sense, new, but every new work of art is, of course, not necessarily good. And we conf conflate those kind of categories that are Pearl, nor does new imply any kind of progress. And progress I have a problem with because it's a narrative metaphor and I have problems with those, the sense that things advance. And also, um, we shouldn't get too sloppy about comparing things as if they were the same. I do take issue with talking about economics and philosophy as if they were the same as the arts. And not, they're different disciplines that do uh, advance in very different ways. And the arts are the same. Unlike music and visual art, for example, for whom all gesture and event or marker noise is arguably art, literature is in a very different position. Music advances by technological means very often, and, and literature uh, really doesn't, other than Gutenberg. You know, we're, we're not really affected by that in the same way. Um, so we want to avoid getting caught up in a sort of bunch of false comparisons and, or, or rather unhelpful comparisons. I think if we're wedded to a self-conscious idea that art should progress, there's a, a danger of making bad art since self-consciousness is almost invariably the death of art. I think uh, art that starts from that position is usually bad. And I was given a lecture on Elias Prufrock a couple of weeks ago, I think it was the 100th anniversary of his composition, and I was really struck at how that was wholly unselfconscious, and it was progressing, but it wasn't progressive. It was a kind of natural response to his immediate cultural environment, which was in flux and was changing, uh, but he was very much in dialogue with the tradition. But it was a wholly unselfconscious performance, which is, for me, what's, what makes it a great piece of art, and it was a way of forging a symbol adequate to the times in which he found himself. So I think we have to be very careful about using progress, but especially in regards to the art, where I think I agree it's really quite meaningless. Well, if we go back and say when uh, Giotto was in the 14th century introduced the perspective in painting, I mean, that's not technological development, but that's development in the ability to draw up what, what you want and express that. Is there not that kind of progress? And if we take a longer term, doesn't mean that one artist maybe from one time is better than another, but does uh, develop. The idea of the Renaissance somehow was a, the means by which artists were able to paint a three-dimensional reality uh, that was But you don't consider that progress. A, a rediscover or rediscovery of pictorial space is how it's done. That's a load of nonsense in terms of the idea of progress. All that Giotto was doing was responding to something he'd heard from a merchant in Venice, uh, which they'd learned from Constantinople, that scientists there were saying that the world was round. And this was amazing, because at that time, People thought, and certainly in, 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 in Christian Europe, thought the world was flat. And the idea that the world was a sphere had huge implications. And what Giotto was doing, and what the whole Renaissance, the whole Renaissance needs to be re, re, rewritten in terms of the breaking news that the uh, were Earth was a sphere. Now, that is totally different to the idea of progress. The idea of Renaissance is a European Enlightenment notion that somehow we were re rediscovering the scientific truth of the, uh, of the Greeks and the Romans. This is a, a propaganda by scientists. The Enlightenment was a form of propaganda. What was happening in the Renaissance was that Christians were discovering that the world was a sphere and they had to cope with this fact. So they were responding to a new vision of the world, not progressing things. They weren't progressing art. They weren't thinking of art at all. They were thinking of their position in the world. So, I will let Dylan come in on that. D do you agree with Julian on this, that there was not even a progress in the Renaissance? 
And just go back to a time when I actually was sort of quite under the spell of this idea of cultural progress and uh, the death of art, that I think the two things definitely sort of almost necessarily go together. You need some kind of pro idea of progress in order to say that we've run out of it and vice versa. For a while, I was a believer in this very powerful narrative. This is the idea that beginning in the Renaissance, there's this flowering of music and forms of literature and art, and especially in music, the progress of music over the next few hundred years consists in pushing further and further what counts as good melody, pushing back the boundaries of tonality, if you like. So Mozart goes beyond Monteverdi, then Beethoven makes sort of, goes into new music, forms of dissonance become consonants. No, I'm just recapitulating the story here. And, because uh, you're shaking your head, but you can, you well, can we'll, knock we'll it back. We'll get back to this in a second. And then, finally, you know, it, with modernism, it all sort of comes crashing down because we break completely out of the sort of bounds of tonality and, you know, in music and then in Joyce sort of breaks completely shatters all the sort of strictures of sense that we have in, in prose and so on. And it's almost as if this sort of desire to... Con con I mean, this is the way it's often told, the story. This desire to push back the frontiers of taste eventually leads to its own destruction because it breaks all the rules entirely. And without some rules, you can't have any kind of creativity at all so it sort of it sort of almost creates its own destruction the, the non-creativity that comes out of that is a very powerful narrative and partly but, but you subscribe to that not anymore not. but i used to no and it okay. was while i did i was sort of i got terribly depressed really <laughs> because, <laughs> because anyway, it is such a pessimistic narrative but you'll come back to that there can still be new things that can even well, I think build that, on this yeah I, th I think that it's this greatness not, I think that would that be great in itself the problem is what you were with that narrative is that it does reduce everything to a single dimension of development. And maybe that's true that you can exhaust a particular dimension of development in art, but then that's, not, that's no problem because there are many, 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 infinitely number, many dimensions of along which forms, yeah. you can make different sorts of progress. It doesn't have to be just along one dimension of in increasing, say, tonality or something right. like that. I just want to get Julian to define a little bit what you see the difference between progress and then development in art, because surely you must see there is a development. No, there's no, um, deve there's no development. But All artists do build on the shoulders of each other no, and art, on what art, has been created art, already. Art isn't made from art. Art is made from life. Nails aren't made from nails. And so art is made from art. Art comes out of life. Art comes out of experiences. And there's no development. What, what there is is a rediscovery of the profound nature of our existence. But let's go back 30,000 so, so years then. I just, well, just to the be cave Before drawings. we go to do that, I'm very happy <laughs> to talk about that. I just want to pick up about music. There's a totally different narrative about music, which is that actually it was a response. The unique flowering of music over this period within Western cultures, Western European cultures, was due to the fact that in Western Euro cultures alone, those cultures believed that God had manifested himself in the natural world. And it was a visual world. And what happened during the Enlightenment, and that's why it's called the Enlightenment, it was actually a darkening. What happened was that the, the scientists said, look, none of this is true. And Darwin finally said, look, nothing that appears is made by God. 
And what happened was that we manifested our religious belief in music and our beliefs in music. That's the story of music. The narrative of, of modernism is another one, which I don't want to hog this whole discussion, but that's a totally different story, and it's a myth. We'll, we'll get back to it, but I just still want <laughs> you to be more precise on this with the development progress. If we think 30,000 years back to the cave paintings yes. of humanity, yes. you still would not use the term either development or progress to what's happened then to, in to the 16th or 17th oh, century? Please, please, please. Or what, please, please. what term would you then use when, when that was happened well since then? It's just change. Uh, Picasso, when Picasso saw the Lascar paintings, he said, yeah, but we have learnt nothing. We have learnt nothing. And it's literally true. <laughs> but Velasquez did do something else than the Velasquez cave paintings. Did uh, Velasquez <laughs> did something else than the cave paintings. But the cave paintings are absolutely unequalled in their own terms. And you can only understand them within the understanding of the culture of that time. And they are amazing, uh, unbelievably moving paintings. Yeah. About the n you cannot do you cannot draw anything better. And they're about life and death. And, uh, you know, I write a lot about it in my new book, Realization, this is a little advert for it. But uh, there's no sense of progress. Velasquez isn't better than the cave painters. Okay, so you just talk about change, different ways of expressing it's change. things. And yeah. what you're looking for is in each, in each period of history, in music, whatever, in each art, you're looking for human experience within the terms of their culture and what they knew about the world within the terms of their world picture. So you're not looking for uh, saying this is better than that. That's a whole... No, but better is a whole different word than progress or development. No, no, but I think we'll want to draw in Don here. Do you agree with Julian there has been no progress, no development, just different oh, Development and progress are different things. I mean, I think you, you need to use rigorously neutral terms and progression is loaded, so we should avoid it. Um, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where, where art, just uh, good art, finds symbols adequate to its times. And I agree that, you know, it's usually just a case of finding, uh, you know, a way in which the old truths can be reincarnated, you know, in the culture of the age. But the, the narratives that we tell, I think, are mostly lies and far more complex than that. So, I don't know, the, the lie, for example, about Mozart and Monteverdi, there's far more radical ha harmony in either back of Monteverdi than you're going to find in Mozart. So you can't argue for any progress on that basis, certainly. So it's just change, you know, and I think it's okay to describe things neutrally. Why do you think it's so powerful, then, this idea that, that we do find coming back again and again, these narratives that about the the decline of art or the decline of creativity or the decline of you know all because we're very conscious of the inadequacy of our own responses. Do you want to hear more from the world's leading thinkers? If the answer to that question is yes, subscribe to iai.tv for unlimited access to thousands of debates, talks, articles, academy courses, and live events. Are you bored of the surface-level news, politics, sports and entertainment coverage on your newsfeed? Go deeper, get the philosophy behind the news and get the latest big ideas from the world's leading thinkers on subjects at the core of the human condition, life, the universe and everything in between. It's free for the first month and there's no commitment to pay, so subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level. Has everything then been done I mean, your position seems to be, no, it hasn't been done, but we're just waiting for who will come up with something new. Whereas I understand Julian's position would be more, is you know, the new forms of saying right. in a way the <coughs> same thing. But do you think in substance, there are also new things to be said? Yes, again, this idea that, for example, there's only seven basic plots, you know, or, or five or 
nine or however many, you know, the latest uh, theory is. You know, and you want to say the, the archetypical yeah, story I mean, you, sure, of the world. Sure, you can, yeah. if, you, if you have a sort of broad enough set of categories, you can probably cram every single story you read into one or other of those categories. That, and what have you done? You've kind of, you know, you've written something like Kazubon's, you know, history of mythology, <laughs> 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 which is a terribly sad sort of way to do it. Um, and I rather like the idea that, yes, if you read every story only once, you probably bring a lot of your prior expectations to what you read and you read a lot of what you've already kind of read before in the, the new story you read. And it's only when you read the same story again that you begin to see what's really new about it. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at humanity has been present on Earth for a couple of hundred thousand years and we haven't changed that much. We love, we cry, we have children, we mate and so on and die. Is there really something new in substance to discover that has not been yeah, discovered? I think yet so. About I mean, so take, take um, just one example David Mitchell's Cloud Atlas. I mean, that's a. But isn't it just bizarre, new form? Wonder, I, I can't fit that as a whole book into any of my pre existing categories. That seems like something really new and exciting and bizarre. And uh, perhaps it says more about the person who's viewing the the art or listening to the music or reading the thing. Yeah, that uh, maybe as a receiver... That the they can't see what's new in it and, the, and they feel, you know, it's Ecclesiastes, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, that he's depressed. What do you think then, Julian, is there really new substance to discover or is it just a different expression and does Cloud Atlas actually come up with something new or does that just mean that uh. Dylan doesn't know what has been represented before that? <laughs> I'm having difficulty with this. Because when I say there's nothing new, I don't mean that. I'm saying that it's all new. It has to be new, because if it's not new, it's not fresh, not real. But there's a lot so of art uh, so that then isn't new. Eh? Well, uh, it's dead. Forget it. It's repeating something of the past. You're talking about whether there's one plot or another, but they are the frames of art. There probably are seven or eight plots. There are, what's amazing is that the emperor's army in, chi in China, the emperor's warriors, was made with seven, mo seven or eight moles of basic man, but each face is individual, and it is extraordinary when you look at them. Uh, it's one of the most remarkable artistic achievements in the world mm. to create individuals, but they basically nevertheless realize there were basic certain structures of the face, but everyone is different, and it's the difference that is important. And of course there'll be things that are totally new. Of course there'll be art that totally... We are understanding consciousness in a totally different way. We understand the world in a totally different way. We, we, we've never been a disease on the surface of this planet. You just wouldn't call it progress. I wouldn't call it progress. <laughs> so I call it human beings, us, responding to our lives today. And that will be totally new and totally surprising and totally wonderful. The trouble is that the people who think they know what art is, and, and particularly those ghastly people who think that they somehow know that art is progressing from this point to this point, or developing, whichever word you want to use, they're the ones that are preventing us seeing what is really going on. What the real new thing is. I want to bring Don in here. You were talking about the artists always struggling to express what they see and looking for a perfection we don't reach, and that's why it keeps being relevant to doing new art. And how do you see that fit in here with, is there new substance being discovered, or is it just artists at different times trying to reach that perfection that can't be reached 
through their means. No, there's always new substances being discovered, partly because art makes itself available materials and these materials change. There are ways in which art can progress, incidentally, but that's on the back of other kinds of genuine progression, such as political progression. I mean, to give you an example, the seven great plots are garbage, they're patriarchal. None of them feature a female protagonist. Uh, so they're bullshit. The that doesn't devalue them. Though. It doesn't devalue them at all, but it devalues their menu. And to sell it as if these were your only seven options is absolutely preposterous. So that's political progress, if it can sort of you know, shake that mm. stuff up. But it doesn't devalue any, uh, any one per se. There's also things that, that, that are thrown up which are related to developments in technology, which are to do, again, neutrally with format. Uh, and structure and one of those for example would be in video gaming. Video gaming is not an art form but it is a format mm. in which art at some point will be made in a very different way. But in more specifically in your field of poetry would you also say there's no real development, no progress but just change over time? If you look at what's going on in poetry at the moment, my own kind of poetry, poetry written for the page in traditional forms, it has a dwindling audience, which makes me think it's, you know, it's, it's not keeping up with other changes that are happening in society. And what's popular at the moment is performance poetry. And I work in publishing some of the time, as well as in the university, and uh, I'm starting to publish some young performance poets. They're commanding huge audiences. I mean, if you take someone like Kate Tempest, he's a wonderful performer. But if you listen to her cadences, it's from revivalist preaching. You know, and even if she doesn't know that's what she's drawing on, these are where uh, uh, you know, sort of, uh, her, her longer uh, strophes and cadences are coming from. And that's actually sort of going back in time to bring something into the present that is required. You know, that people are uh, sort of uh, act actively requiring of poets, a voice in which they want them to it speak. It goes back further now. It goes back to the original storytellers who, all the early stories, like the Epic of Gilgamesh or the Bible or, all the, or, the, or the fantastic uh, Three Kingdoms novel of China, they were all read by storytellers. That's right. And, and, and certainly in Scotland and Ireland at the moment, you're finding a lot of people on the continent, well, you find a lot of people sort of reacquainting themselves with the Shanaki traditions of, of uh, oral storytelling in a way that's... Uh, 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 that the, the age is demanded, actually, um, which is interesting. So right. it's not linear, you know, it's not a linear tale at all. That's, a, that's just a trick of perspective. So do you, do you <laughs> think then that what in the field of philosophy, where does the thinking evolve on top of one another and thereby you can use the term develop or progress or even in philosophy, it does not apply. Is there a difference between philosophy and art in the question of progression? Oh, well, surely, because there are discredited philosophies. But, I mean, just about the only thing that can discredit anything is probably science, because it has a you know, fairly rigorous method. I mean, what's happened to philosophy is really interesting, as we know it's gone off in two directions, one of which is continental and is much more like literature, another of which is analytic and is much more like cognitive science. So it's not, I don't know what people mean when they talk about philosophy anymore. Usually they're talking about comparative literature, actually. So, you know. If, for example, one compares philosophy to, to poetry, um, if poetry is somewhere an expression of what goes on mm -hmm. in the individual, mm -hmm. that will, if it's good art, I imagine, always have its own truth and cannot be overwritten 500 years later because that doesn't mean that truth of 500 years earlier wasn't there. Whereas in philosophy, that makes a scientific claim in a way, for generalization about humanity, that can be proven wrong. At least this is history has shown. There are certain assumptions that are proven 
wrong. So that's a different, there's a difference in the two forms. Yeah, there's a branch here. of philosophy, yeah. certainly towards the continental end of things, where it's become very close to poetry. And actually, it's interesting, looking at some of the page poetry that's being uh, written at the moment, that is re-embracing some of these old pre-Socratic ideals, where people are trying to write it, actually as a form of w uh, Western wisdom literature again. Return to quite ancient kind of values about the purpose of art and its relationship to knowledge. So right. I just want to get Dylan on this before we move on to the next question, because you brought in economics in the mm. beginning, that evidence has a different way of developing than art. But particularly if you compare it with philosophy, do you then think one can talk about progress in philosophy and development in, in philosophy? Yes, I think you can to some extent. Part of it just consists in being able to visualise and imagine new possibilities. So to go back to the example I, was, I mentioned before, in ethics, for a long time, it seemed as if you could only conceive of two basic ways, uh, modern ways, of thinking about ethics. There was utilitarianism and there was deontology, the Kant type of thing. And then people come up and say, well, actually, there's this other way of doing things. And it's a, something that just hadn't occurred to people before. So the mere fact that you can carve out new positions that, don't, that aren't reducible to ones that you've seen before is, I think, you know, progress in itself because you're extending the menu, as it were, of options. Should we look for transgression in art? Is a new form or way of doing it always better than just looking for the quality, the best? Or how, how do you view this question? Uh, well, it, it's, as I say, it's a dialectic between more conservative traditionalist forces and experimental ones, you know, and I think that's the way that it keeps itself alive, you know. In contrast to the sciences where you do stand on the shoulders of giants, I mean, I don't know who we stand on the shoulders of and, and the shoulders of mutants in poetry, uh, I think especially, <laughs> you know, and the shoulders of lunatics specifically uh, is how my particular art form has progressed, which is the, the reason I don't like to use the word. But often people like Ezra Pound, crazy bastards that they were, were the ones who sort of introduced ideas in whose execution they might not have been the most expert, uh, but, uh, but other people were able to take them up and see how they fitted into the longer uh, narrative and tradition. Again, it's yeah. just, it's, it's balance, you know. Saying one is better than the other is, is really not seeing the whole picture at all. You know? Right, but do you think that if an artist seeks the transgression just for the sake of transgression, that then generally his art will suffer under that because it becomes a secondary agenda? So that, well, because course. often when you speak about literature, you say any transgression is, makes the art. Well, I assume that would be your argument against Hearst, you know, which is, which is yeah. it, it, it's just, it's just an act of, you sort of empty iconoclasm, but maybe I'm misreading it, or it's just an act of kind of, you know, uh, infantile transgression. I mean, from, uh, you know, uh, not all of it, I actually quite like it's early Hearst, I, mean, mm. I think, it, but I think it's just gotten ridiculous. But in the field of literature, I, I assume you have this debate also in England here, um, as we do in the, uh, in the continent, that transgression, Basically, when all taboos now are, are broken, what is left is the taboo into the privacy of other people, for example, where... Well, this is alarming. This is what we're talking about yesterday now, because, I mean, taboo forms, uh, you know, a, an important function because it, has, because it defines the threshold beyond which you have transgression. And as we know, the thrill of transgression, you know, there's nothing can substitute for it. So where do you find it when the taboo bar has been set so mm. high? You know, uh, yeah, when uh, there are kind of almost no more taboos. Exactly, yeah. which I think is a, is a problem for the art. I don't know how we, uh, we, we address that at all. Julian, what do you think then about this, this art in the direction and where is it heading? You, you touched upon this in your introduction, but if we talk about transgression specifically, do you agree with what, what Don is saying, that there is a danger if we seek transgression for the sake of it? Oh, seeking anything for the sake of it is stupid. 
this continuation of this sort of myth of somehow we've got to advance, somehow we've got to sell the new thing, somehow we've got to be new, it gets diminishes to nothing. And to a cutting edge is a tiny, thin thing. Who want, who's interested in that? The, the art is about the wholeness of experience. And it's not about anything to do with transgression. But transgression is a problem for our society as a whole. And it's a, a very interesting issue about morality and about all sorts of things. I don't know. I mean, I'm a... Um, artists feel they don't... They haven't got a political agenda. They're responding... That's not true. Some of them do and some of them don't. Art, you can't say artists are... Well, I'm glad we find something to bloody disagree about. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you can't say artists are X, Y, or Z because they'll immediately do the opposite. And, and, and they're too various uh, you know, to be caricatured art, in that way. Of course, some of them are political. Just of course, so artists are political. Artists have own their own political vision. Of course they do. But they aren't, they aren't serving a political party. They aren't propaganda. They aren't teaching. They are showing they're demonstrating what life is like. So, you know, if you make your point, let's sit down on this. So, you were saying artists do have, or some artists at least, a political... Uh, uh, well, I think, uh, you know, from my own art, and I, th I yeah. think you can make the case for others too, uh, they used to perform a didactic function that is seeded to other kinds of literary or linguistic discourse. But how do we identify, how do we identify novelty how do, when we see it? I think that, that would be an interesting sort of question. And apparently there are some people now applying artificial intelligence to this problem. And I read this fascinating paper the other week where they had fed in sort of a million of the last sort of pop songs of the last 50 years or something and had ma and sort of grouped them all in this sort of machine learning kind of way and into different categories. And they had sort of, this computer had sort of told them that the 60s was, yes, this was new. The next big new movement in popular music was hip-hop, apparently. And punk music was completely <laughs> unoriginal. <laughs> so I think here's an interesting idea, you know, maybe if in the future, when people start to do aesthetics, they will be doing it with the aid of these sort of uh, deep learning intelligent machines. <laughs> uh, so maybe, maybe the new will end up coming from the machines. I think on this quite provocative statement we'll end and I thank this excellent panel, Don Patterson, Julius Balding and Dylan Evans for an interesting debate and I hope you will uh, help me in saying thanks to them now. We hope you enjoyed this podcast which was brought to you by the Institute of Arts and Ideas. Which side of the debate did you fall on? Let us know by tweeting at iiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiiii